we are starting a new series today, and I'm titling it A Culture of Honor. Will you turn to the person next to you and say, A Culture of Honor? Come on, turn it to the person on the other side and say, A Culture of Honor. There you go. And we're going to take about four weeks, today being the first day of, of those four, or the first week of those four weeks. We'll start with today, we'll talk about dishonor and how that has. Uh, how that's kind of permeated our culture. We'll move from there uh, into the two weeks thereafter, talking about the, um, the entities that God teaches us in the Word that we're to honor. Uh, and uh, it'll be four or five main entities. He teaches us to honor the Lord, teaches us to honor our parents, those in authority over us, and then also one another. And so then we'll close out with the power of honor. And I don't know about you, but I want this church to be a church that honors and values people. I want this to be a church where honor is not just a term for us, but it is our culture that is our, a part of our culture. In fact, just to kind of give you kind of some of the honoring pieces that are important to me that are being this church, whether you like it or not, and you can go somewhere else if you don't, but uh, love you. But um, we will be a multi-generational church. We will have young folk, middle-aged folk, and old folk. And you say, well, why is that so important to you? We will honor that. And we will have our music that represents all the above. And, uh, you you know, I I was meeting with a pastor um, just a few days ago who uh, their church is 70, 80 years old. And uh, they were 700 people back in the day, and they're down to 25 people, and the youngest person in the church is 70. He said, I did 70 funerals over the last two years. Come on, somebody. And the reason why we won't honor just one style of worship or one style of ministry is because I want your grandkids sitting next to you in church. Come on, somebody. I want this to be a place where every generation can feel welcomed and feel a place and feel experienced. So I'm not going to cater to one or the other. We're going to just throw it all in there together and all of us get some. Isn't that good? So that's one of the areas that we're going to respect. Also, we're going to honor and respect multicultural. You don't like that? This ain't the church for you. Love you. God bless you. But we're going to be multicultural because we want to look like heaven. Somebody ought to say amen. And so you know what, instead of, talk, instead of people talking about, well, I don't see color, I do, and it's beautiful. And I love all the cultural differences that we all have. Come on now. I love that. That makes us special, makes us beautiful. Come on, all the Latinos say, yes, there you go. And so, I mean, we, we have beautiful pieces of who we are, and we want to blend it all in together. That's what heaven's going to be like. That's what we are. And so those are some of the things that I honor and that I respect and desire, and that's what we're going to have in this church. And you honor the same. That's why you're here. Amen. So with that being said, let's jump in. You know, old Boudreaux, he was sitting down one Sunday morning at church. It wasn't church on the hill. It was another church. And Boudreaux was sitting there when all of a sudden, ping, pow, poo, up, smoke, and fire appear. And there all of a sudden is Satan. And all the people look around and realize Satan has just come into the room with spitting and sputtering. And they all wig out and take off running out the front door. And that's how I know it wasn't church on the hill because you guys would have all bound him, stepped on him, and kept worshiping. But anyway, so he takes, everybody takes off running except for Boudreaux. He just sits there. And Satan runs over to him. Rah! And Boudreaux just looks at him. And then Satan asked him, he says, do you know who I am? He says, yeah, I know who you are. He said, I'm Satan. He said, that's right, I know. He said, aren't you scared of me? He said, no, I'm not scared of you. He said, why are you not scared of me? He said, well, because I've been living with your sister for 40 years, and she's a lot scarier than you. Come on, somebody. (laughs) With that being said, let's go ahead and dive into a culture of honor as we go into our message today. My goal with this message and this series is that you and I not only honor the Lord, that we honor one another that we honor and respect our spouses, that we honor and respect our children, our moms and dads, aunts, uncles, that we would show respect, that we would show honor. 
This Wednesday is Veterans Day. How many veterans do we have in the room? If you're a veteran, would you stand, please? Let's honor all our veterans. We love you. Thank you. We bless you. Thank you. Come on, you can do better than that. Thank you. Thank you for putting your life in danger for us. We honor you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for protecting us and keeping us a free nation. And so did you sense that? Did you feel what just happened? See, when you and I walk in honor and respect, something supernatural happens. Unfortunately, we live in a culture of dishonor. I want to give you a key scripture today. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Just the little last piece of verse 16 and then on into 17. And look what it says. It says, live as servants of God. How many of you guys are servants of God? I am. Anybody else? Okay, half of you. Oh, the rest of you good. And it says this, verse 17, honor everyone. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the emperor. So in this moment in the history of the church, there is, we're now about 30, 40 years into the church existence. When it started, it was all beautiful. Remember when you first got saved, it was all, this is awesome. Remember when you first came to church, this is the greatest church ever. And about four weeks into it, you're like, man, that dude's rude. Man, my coffee, I ain't like it. Man, they, I just stood out in line for 30 minutes to get my kids checked in. And all of a sudden, what happened was what was so new and fresh and wonderful now has these moments of conflict. Are you with me? Say yes. So here's the problem with honor and dishonor. And this is what the scripture is teaching us in 1 Peter. Is he's saying, listen, we're already into this a number of years. And you've already started disrespecting and dishonoring one another, those in authority. And so let me bring you back to a clear command. Honor everybody. Christian, those who follow the Lord, those who are living unto the Lord and are servants of the Most High, show honor. Let me define honor for you for just a moment. Put it up on the screen for them. To honor is to value as extremely precious, to give respect. To, to honor is to value something, to, 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 make, to make it as something important to you, to respect it, to, 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 to want it to, to, to be valuable in your heart of hearts and in your mind and, and therefore in the way you respond to it and you act in it. Therefore, dishonor then is to treat as common to not give respect. Anybody bought any new shoes in the last year? Is anybody? Am I the only one? Okay, a couple of you. Some of you need to try that. And so I bought a pair of new shoes. I bought a pair of new tennis shoes. I was at Marshall's. That's where I shop. It's cheap. And I found these Nikes. Man, they were on sale. They were like 40 bucks, and they're normally like 100. And I know because I'm on the app checking it out like, dang, those things are like 100 bucks. I can get them right now for 40. I love a deal. And so I bought those shoes, and I came home with them. And listen, my new shoes have a special place in my closet. You know, anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a special place for the new shoes. The kids can't get to them. Nobody, my son can't wear them. Nobody can mess with them. Those are my new shoes. On the other hand, my old shoes ended up somewhere else. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They end up all over the place, outside in the rain. I forgot them in the backseat of the car. They all beat up anyway. And what's happened is now that I've got some new shoes, I value them as very important, but what I've done is I've taken the old shoes and I've now dishonored or disvalued, if you will, or devalued, if you will, what they are and what they have been. And let me tell you something, the same things happen in our nation, the same things happen in our marriages, same things happening in our friendships, same thing are happening in our jobs. It's what was so precious when we first got it. Now over time, I, I want something new. I just like that whole new, and what we do is we lose respect and devalue that which has been faithful 
that which has been consistent, that which has been in our life, and we throw it aside. And as a respect of, uh, as a result of dishonor, there are major negative things happening in our lives. And today, we're going to study what dishonor does to me and you, what it does to our everyday walk, what it does to our friendships, what it does to our marriages, what it does to our, our relationships at work, what it does to our jobs, and then therefore even our career paths. And so as you're with me today, let's jump in straight to the message in Luke chapter 15. We'll start in verse 11. Luke chapter 15 is this wonderful passage where Jesus tells a story or a parable. And Jesus tells the parable with all kinds of all kinds of meaning in it. It has all symbolism in it, and it represents different people and different ones. And as we read it, I think you'll be able to understand exactly who the characters in Jesus' story or parable represent. As you look in Luke chapter 15, the chapter starts with Jesus is hanging out with, loving on, administering to, being friends with, Listen, prostitutes and tax collectors. You say, what's a tax collector? That would be politicians and uh, IRS people. I know, right? <laughs> they're the devil. And so, no, they're not. I, I, I'm sorry. If you're, my wife's a politician, I guess. So anyway, they're not the devil. And so, and so he's hanging out with them, and the religious leaders of the day look at him and say, you are hanging out with the old shoes. Come on now. You are spending time with that which is nasty and dirty. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves the unlovable? Come on now. Aren't you glad that he cared for you and me? Because let me tell you something. You might not have been a prostitute or a tax collector, but you were one step from it. Thank you, Jesus. Each and every one of us, he's had grace and mercy on our lives and transformed all of us. And see, Jesus looks at them and he goes, let me tell you a couple stories. And he goes down through what's really valuable to God. He starts talking about what God honors. And he actually says it like this. Hey, can I tell y'all something? Listen to me, you religious people. Let me tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they're getting to heaven before you do. I'm going to just tell you that right now. Why? Because I honor them because they are hurting lost souls. And because you dishonor them, you put yourself in the back of the line. That's what he says. They're getting into heaven ahead of you. They're coming and humbling themselves and coming to God ahead of you while you stand there in your pride being extracted or separated from the living relationship, the relationship with the living God. And so God here, Jesus is teaching, this is what's important. And let me tell you a parable about it. And we pick up in verse 16. Can I read a couple of verses? 11. Can I read a couple of scriptures to you? Is that all right? We are in church. Can I read the Bible to you for a moment? Okay, because it's a long story. I'm going to cut it down, but we'll go straight in. Verse, 12, verse 11, Jesus continues, there was a man who had two sons. Everybody say, two sons. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. I can tell you right now, that dude did not grow up in South Louisiana. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if my kid comes up and says, give me what you owe me, I'm going to be like, I'm going to give you what I owe you. The back of my, wow, pow, you're going to find himself on the ground. Thank you. I don't need any more. That's how I was raised. I don't know about you guys. It says, when the younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided the property between them. Not long after that, the young son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Ooh, that's, that's the scriptures being sweet and sensitive. What that really translates into uh, prostitution, crack stuff. I mean, he was all crazy in the clubs and got himself all cracked out. Verse 14, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. 
He ran out of money, and there's no, there's no jobs. And so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Jewish people, pigs. Just keep that in mind. Verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Drop down to verse 17. When he came to his census, everybody say, thank you, Jesus. He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. Verse 20 still. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, kicked him in the face, knocked him down, and said, where's my money? Is that what it says? No. And kissed him. Then his son said to his father, smart kid, Father, I have sinned against heaven first, against the Lord, and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to call your son. Verse 22. But the father said, you are right, and therefore you can take a job feeding pigs on my property. That's not at all what it says. He says, I have sinned against you and you alone and against, and against the Lord. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatty calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to partay. Sorry, celebrate. At an 80s moment right there. I love this passage of scripture. And I love it because it's so redemptive. And it really tells the story. And that's why Jesus was the ultimate end of the story. Is that the Lord will restore that which we destroy. Thank you, Jesus. That he will love us in spite of us. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. But really, the theme of the story starts back with this son and his dishonor. If honor is to value, as to, to treat as precious, if to honor something means to respect it and to value it, then therefore dishonor is to devalue it, to treat it as common. And this young man, for whatever happened the way he was raised or whatever transpired in his life, caused him to be a young man full of dishonor. He dishonored his dad's years of labor. He looked at the wealth that their family had, and he had no value for it. He dishonored the fact that his dad had worked hard day in and day out to build the family up, to have more than enough to provide, that he had built up the family business to a place that it was successful and was doing good. And this young man had no value for it. He dishonored his own father's labors. He also had another problem with dishonor, and that is he dishonored the God of his father. He dishonored his family religion if you will, or the way they worship the Lord their God. He had no place for it. I don't want it. I want to go off and I want to try it out in the other lands. I want to see their gods. I want to go into their temples where they have orgies and call it and call it religion. I want to go experience that because I don't really see value in just serving Jehovah God. I don't really see a quality of life that I want to live like that. I want to try something else. And he had devalued the God that his family served. 
We also see that he had a lack of honor for the simple life of hard work and just saving up and doing good with your life. He wanted to try the new cool thing. He wanted to get out there and, 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 and try it his way. And he had no real value for just day in and day out doing your best and day in and day out being faithful and the simple life. And this is your home and working hard for your family and providing for him. He had no value for that. He therefore dishonored all of those key pieces in his life. And then as a result of that, we see that when you and I have no honor for the job that God has, you have a job. Thank you, Jesus. It may not be the one you want, but you have one. I was just talking to one of my friends, and she talked about how the business that she works for, they've not been making money. But you know what she did? She valued that business. She started staying late, getting early, working a little extra harder, making it better. And they came to her just last week and said to her, you know what? We cannot afford to give anybody a raise or a bonus, but because you love us so much, because you try so hard, because you value what's important to us, and that's our little company, because you value it, we value you. Here's a bonus. No one else is getting a bonus. Here's a raise when no one else is getting a raise, and it just happened a couple days ago. Because valuing something, making it precious. Listen to me, some of you have lost respect for your spouse. I love you, but I got to tell you the truth. And when you stop valuing, you are, that, hey, at least he comes home. At least he's working a job. You say, oh, he ought to do this better, this better, and this better. I know, and the more you devalue him, the more you disrespect him, the more dishonor sets in. And we're going to study what dishonor does to our lives. Some of you, listen, you've lost the respect for the living God. You come to church because you, you want to do good, but you've lost a real value. Jesus is not my buddy, he's my Lord. I don't sing little songs to him like, you my buddy, you my buddy, and I need more stuff from you. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And even if he decided never to love me, he's still God. He created heaven and earth and humanity and everything therein, and he is worthy of my respect. He is worthy of of my love and all of my adoration and all that I am, and I value him to this level. And when you kind of throw him a little moment of your time, throw him a little bit of your money, throw him a little bit of your attention, what you're saying to him is that you're good, but you're not as good as something else. And so as we go through this series... Today we'll learn what disrespect or dishonor does to our lives. When we come back in the next couple weeks, I'll teach you how to develop a culture of honor for five key entities or four key entities that we see in Scripture. We see that we're supposed to respect the Lord or honor the Lord. We're supposed to respect, honor our moms, our dads. We're supposed to respect and honor those in authority. Oh, help us, Jesus. And then we're supposed to honor and respect one another as Christians. Oh, dear God. Especially in our culture, and see, we live by a standard, we only respect that which we deem respectable. And that's a fallacy in the principle of honor. In fact, we only honor most of us in the culture that we're in and the way we've been raised. We only honor someone or treat them as valuable if it'll get us somewhere. That's the culture in which we live in. In fact, we are so scared of being taken advantage of that we won't show honor lest we be deemed as a brown noser or a kisser-upper. And so as a result, 
honor is missing in our churches, in our, in our families, and now in our culture as a whole. And dear God, please, Lord Jesus, help restore a culture of honor here at Church on the Hill. May we be a shining light to other nations and other cities and other churches of what it can look like that people can come in here and they can be respected and treated as valuable. Let me tell you something. In our vision statement, it says this, we relentlessly love Jesus. Relentlessly love the church and relentlessly love the hurting. I'm not going to put up with us devaluing one another up in this church. Come on, somebody. Talking bad about each other, mistreating one another, mishandling each other. That's, we're not going to do that here. I'll tell you what else we're not going to do. We're not going to devalue the Lord and throw him a little a moment of our time. Like, oh, he's good. And we're not going to, you'll notice in worship, I'll grab mine by the ear. Sit yourself down. We're running all over the place. No, sir. Settle yourself down. You're a kid. I get it. But settle yourself down for just a little bit. Let's, let's, let's show the Lord some respect and some honor that he deserves. I'll tell you what. We're not going to disrespect and dishonor the hurting. I don't, listen, if they're struggling with their sexuality, they're struggling with, with drugs and alcohol, whatever else, we're gonna, we honor you. We honor that God thinks you're special, and we treat you with that respect. You're not second rate. You're not a broken record that needs to somehow be thrown off in the trash pile. You are exactly why Jesus died on a cross, and we were you. Come on, somebody. And we're going to value those relationships and help those people, even as God has helped us and others have helped us as well. And so look at the attitude that proves that you have started down the path of dishonor. We see this, and I'll compare it to this young man here, the prodigal son, if you will. Number one, it starts off, the attitude of dishonor starts off with, I want what's mine. It says, and he goes to his father, and he says, give me what's mine. Give you what's yours. Give, give you what's yours. Well, I mean, think about this statement for just a moment. The man's not dead. You have no inheritance yet. He says, no, no, go sell off the family business and split it up between me and my brother and give me what's mine. Look, I ain't even dead yet. Shut up. That would have been my attitude. He said, give me what's mine. Look at the attitude of dishonor. It start with, I want what's mine. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with marriages and trying to help these people stay together, and all I hear is, I want what's mine. He's not giving me what I need. She's not giving me what I need. And that devaluing has set in because the attitude is, I want what's mine. In the sexual realm, we see this a lot because all the porn that's out there that everybody's watching is all about getting mine, getting my pleasure on. And so what that does is then devalue those individuals, that de devaluing women and then now devaluing men and now devaluing children. They're not precious to be protected. Not with us, though. Here's a second attitude that this young man had, and it's proof that you and I, if we have this attitude, it's proof that we started down the road of dishonor, and that is, your way is ignorant, I got a better way. That's an attitude of dishonor, and this young man had it. Dad, living here, working the family business, this is dumb. It's ignorant. I got a better way. I'm going to go off to where it's happening. I'm going to get out of the little small city. I'm going to go to the big city. I'm going to live my dream. And what you're doing is dumb. Listen, I can testify to this. As a young minister, fiery, full of passion, full of, full of, full of God's 
anointing on my life. I constantly struggled with this one piece because I had a dishonor in my heart for those who were older and who had basically stopped being relevant. And I'm trying to teach them how to be relevant to a younger generation. They won't hear it. And I would find myself disrespecting, dishonoring them in meetings where we were trying to come up with plans on how to win the nations of the world. And I had to learn this lesson just like this young man had to learn it. And that is, listen, I know what I think and I, and I think I'm right, but what do you have to say? Because you know what? You've got years of experience. God's done something in you and I want to hear what you think we should do. And that is what honor looks like. But dishonor says, nope, you don't know what you're talking about. I know what I'm supposed to do. Here's the third attitude that we see in this young man. And he says this, you are causing me to miss out. You're causing me to miss out. Let me tell you something. If you weren't my boss, I'd already climbed the corporate ladder. You are causing me to miss out. Friend, let me tell you something. It's that dishonor for that person, even though they're wrong, even though they're rude, it's that dishonor that literally is destroying you. Like my friend, who, no matter what was happening, even though the company wasn't showing honor, and, and, and she hadn't had a, had a bonus or a raise excuse me, in, in years, She kept working harder and harder and harder. And what happened was, literally, God removed, I didn't add this point to just now, God removed a person who had been bullying her in a position of leadership, removed them from the company. Bam! Why? Because she continued to honor. The attitude of dishonor is, you are my problem. You keep me from being successful. And that's what he says to his dad. This scenario stinks. It keeps me from being successful and keeps me from having a good life. How many times have I worked with people who, who the spouse is saying, I have, a, I, I have this thing that I want to do with my life. I told him when I married him and he's holding me back. How many times have I heard that from the kids? You know what? I'm a teenager now. I've got all these things I want to do. And my mom and dad, they just won't do anything for me. They're holding me back. Friend, that is an attitude of dishonor. We see it in the prodigal son. And let me tell you something. As I keep teaching, you're going to find out the destructive power of dishonor. Here's the last attitude that we see in him. And that is, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. Can I tell you something? You got a great marriage. You don't need to get out of it. You need to fight for it. You need to treat it as valuable. You need to treat it as special. Don't throw it out on the... On, on, on the carport. Don't throw it outside in the rain. Get it, pick it up. Sw- wipe it off. Start cleaning it. Start fixing it. Start working on it. And treat it as special. Put it in a special place of your life. Don't put it as, oh, she's still going to be there when I get home. I can go have beers with my buddies and I don't have to, you know, treat her as special. Listen to me, friend. You better start treating it as special because if you don't, what you devalue, you lose. What you treat as common becomes common. But what you treat as, pre- as precious, it becomes precious. I had a friend of mine who was um, a successful businessman. He was a a widow. And there was a lady in our church who had, um, she had been in an abusive marriage. And uh, that man had beat her and uh, beat her senseless. And finally, uh, we as the pastors dealt with him. And so she was in our church for five, six years as a single woman, and this wealthy widow man uh, began to take notice of her. She was downtrodden. She never held her head up. She was worthless in her own heart. She was worthless. And this man began to pay attention to her. And they fell in love. And we married that couple. They were older, you know, in their 50s, I believe, or 60s. And they married And I want you to know, within a matter of months, she became the most beautiful woman in the church. 
Because he made that relationship the most important thing in his life. And because he valued her, she became valuable. Because he respected her, she became respectable. Because he put his heart and life into her, she responded and just her whole countenance changed. And who other, no, all the other single, older single, you know, widow men or divorced men never even knew she was there. Now all of a sudden they're noticing her. Months that too late, buddy. Why? Because they didn't see the value. They devalued or dishonored just like everybody else had. I want you to know something. Whatever you disrespect ultimately dies. What you value grows and becomes magnificently beautiful. In fact, people around will go, if it's valuable to you, it must be valuable. That's why I never have a problem with people getting saved when they become my friends because they say, you love something so much. What is this thing? What is this Jesus thing? It's so valuable to you that it's all you talk about. It's all you're involved in. I want to know it because I don't have anything that valuable in my life. That's why when you and I lose the value it begins to be destroyed. This is what happens to this kid. He's got a great dad. He's got a great family. He's got a great family business. He's successful. He's, he's, got, he's got people who work for him. And he says, it's not good enough. I don't like it. I'm nervous. I got to get out of here. I, I, I don't want to be here. I, I want to go over there. Grass has to be greener on the other side. I've been talking to him on Facebook. And she seems a lot better than my wife that I have now. I need to get over there. I don't like being here. I got to get to the next job because this one. And friend, what happens is you just bounce from job to job, marriage to marriage, friendship to friendship, because you have a problem problem with dishonor, devaluing the very things that God's given you. And so let me show you then what happens and the power of dishonor and what it does to you and me. Number one, the first thing that we see in this kid's life, his problem or his attitude of dishonor, the power of it, what it does to him first and foremost is it steals his humility. Dishonor steals our humility. Do you understand that Bible says it like this? God says, I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. I give grace to them. Listen, if you and I can walk in humility, all the things that God has for us become so available. It's when you and I say, I don't need it. I got it. I got this under control. I don't need the Lord in this. I don't need his help. It was that moment when I humbled myself almost a year ago now, and I said, God, I cannot help these people. I cannot grow a church. I traveled the world as a church growth consultant, and no one will come to church on the hill. We must take it out of my bio. And I fell on my face and I said, all right, I thought I knew what I was doing. Everybody in, around the world said I knew what I was doing to help them, but I obviously don't know what I'm doing. So I humbled myself and said, hell! And God came on the scene. This building became a reality and God drew you here to us. And it's been miraculous. People are getting healed. People are getting saved. People are getting delivered. We're becoming family. Things are happening. We're changing the community. It's unbelievable. But it started with me going, help! I don't know what I'm doing. First thing that dishonor does is steals your humility. Because you dishonor her, you dishonor him, because you know something. You're somebody. You're not going to treat me like that. I'm going to treat you like this then. That's dishonor. Here's the second thing that dishonors. You still there? Say yes. You still love me? Man, you got quiet. I hope I didn't hurt your feelings. (laughs) Number two, the second power of dishonor that it does is it steals your satisfaction. He says, look, I'm going off to a distant land. I ain't satisfied with this. I'm not satisfied with this. It steals your satisfaction. 
Dishonor causes you to be dissatisfied. When you honor something, you say, Lord, I'm just grateful that I have what I got. I'm grateful for the beautiful kids I got. Lord, I just, I, my house is good enough. Lord, I'm going to make this the best house in this whole neighborhood. I'm going gonna, gonna to fix it up. I'm going I'm to treat this car as valuable. It's the only car I got. It may not be as nice as Johnny's or Billy's or Susie's or Tyrone's, whoever, but it's mine. And I'm going to make it special. I'm going to value it. And, and I just satisfy. I just get satisfied. I just, Lord, Lord I just want to be satisfied with what you give me. Dissatisfaction is a result of dishonor. You don't like where you're at because you don't honor where you're, you don't value it. But if you'll value it and say, this is awesome. This is great. Woo! I'm going to make it great. Then all of a sudden, satisfaction comes. Instead of running around trying to find satisfaction because you're trying to chase after what everybody else seems to satisfying them. Then when you eat of it or drink of it or taste of it, it doesn't satisfy you either. And come to find out it was all a game and you got tricked. This is what happens to this kid. Because you know why? Because everybody's coming into his little country town. Woo! Man! I'm just coming from the big city. Man, you ought to see the women. What? Yeah, bro. Whoa. I ain't like these country girls over here with missing teeth. These girls are fine. Man, let me tell you something. I've been, I partied for six weeks straight. Oh, my God. Oh, I can't. Woo. Woo. And that little boy's going, what? Wow, I want that. Yeah, all I do is run a tractor. Wow. Wow. This ain't no good. I want to get where he was at. And that's what he does. He takes off to a distant country. Here's the next and third thing that dishonor does. It steals your common sense. Dishonor steals your common sense. I've been sitting there, literally, I've been sitting there with a guy who has cheated on his beautiful wife with the ugliest woman I've ever seen. And I'm sitting there going, dude, you are stupid. What? Come on, somebody, y'all laughing because you had the same friend. I'm like, what have you done, you big idiot? He says, it says, in, it says this, look, look, let's look down, verse, verse 19, it says, um, excuse me, verse 15, it says, uh, sorry, verse 13, thank you. He went out and squandered his wealth and wild living. Everybody say, that's dumb. No, you can do better than that, say, that's dumb. It says he squandered, I love that word in scripture, squandered. I don't even know what it means, but I like the way it sounds, squandered. No, it means he threw it away. He squandered his wealth. Everybody say wealth. Okay, so we're not talking about a little bit of money, we're talking about wealth. I don't know how many of you guys in this room would call yourself wealthy. I would imagine it would be a small percentage of us. Although all of you have a nice car, decent house, you know, beautiful clothes. This guy had wealth. Wealth. And he squandered it in wild living. I had a young man back in the day when I was a young adult pastor. And uh, when he turned uh, 21, his father had died in, a, uh, in an accident. And I think the job that he's working for sued because it was their fault, whatever. And this young man, when he turned 21, got, I think, like 180, almost $200,000. Up until that point, he'd been a good Christian kid, worked hard. We had him a good job. He had an apartment, you know, da 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 When he got the 20. When he got the almost $200,000, $180,000 at 21, he lost his mind. You know what the first thing he went and did? Anybody got an idea? He went and bought a car. He didn't buy a car. He bought the car. I think he spent like fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000, and this is like 25 years ago. It's like, are you serious? I mean, really? I mean, what are you going to do with that? Then what happened was he had all kinds of new friends. Oh, he got some friends. And all those friends wanted to have fun with him at the club. And so he told me later, he would spend $1,500 a 
a Friday night paying for everybody's drinks at the club. He blew through $180,000 in six to nine months. At the end of it, he didn't have a penny. He had a nice car that he had now wrecked in drunken stupors about six times. Come on, you know, who, you know that kid. He's unwrecked. It's probably worth $15,000. He's got not a penny to his name. He quit his job because he had so much money. Do you know, if you do research on those who win the lottery, do you know that 90% of them end up penniless? In fact, they've gone back and researched, and there's a large percentage of them that are living under bridges. It's unbelievable. Why? Because of dishonor. Because they don't know how to value that which they've received. They, They don't have any value for it, and it causes them to do things that are ignorant. It steals what is, should be common sense. I look at people, and I'm like, are you really doing that right now? Why are you doing that? Why are you switching jobs right now? Because they don't have any value for where they're at. They dishonor it. And so they're nervous, they're anxious, and they want to get to something else, and they're not making a common sense decision. Switching jobs is not a bad thing. God would have us do, probably all of us do that multiple times in our life. But it's the timing. It's the moment I'm sure this young man could have went out to another city and lived once he grew up a little bit and had a little bit of sense about him, once he had some honor, but he had none, and so it destroyed him. Here's the next thing that dishonor does. You still there? Say yes. Yes. Four is it steals your self-worth. Verse 15, and he went out and hired himself to work with pigs. Okay, let's go back to that. He's Jewish. Jewish people don't just not eat pork. They don't even get close to pigs. It's considered unclean for them. And here's a Jewish boy who is so destroyed. Dishonor has so destroyed him that now he's lost his self-worth. And all he can think to do, he's at the bottom of the bottom. He used to be at the top with all his wealth and money that he acquired from his father. Come on now. Become his safe situation. But because he devalued it, because he dishonored it. Listen, I can't tell you how many dudes have told me I should have stuck with the first one. Because the last two have destroyed my life. You should have, dummy. It was great, and you messed it all up because you had no value for it. You dishonored it. And this young man finds himself working, feeding the pigs. He's so hungry that all he wants them to do is give them some of the food that they're feeding the pigs. And it says, and they won't even do that. And then in the midst of all of this, self-worth has been destroyed because he did not have honor when he should have had honor. And that dishonor has stolen his self-worth. Here's the last piece. It'll steal your purpose. It'll steal your purpose. You're called to reign and rule with Jesus Christ. Somebody say, that's right. That's scripture. We're seated, right, we're seated at the right hand of the Father. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. We are co laborers with Christ. We are beside him. We have become uh, 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 his, and as a result of being his, everything that's under his feet is under our feet. We are co-heirs with Christ, the Bible says. You're not called to be feeding the pigs and eating the slop of this world. Come on, somebody. Stealing his purpose. This kid should be reigning and ruling with his father, but instead, he's slopping pigs, starving to death. Oh, but then the scripture says, he came to his senses. He said, what am I doing? It was better at my father. Listen, 
all that dishonor, all that disrespect, all the devalue, as a, we're from this position, that was amazing. In fact, that, if I could just be a servant in my dad's house, that would be a hundred times better than where I'm at now. And he comes to his senses and says, I have, paraphrase, I have sinned against or I have de- dishonored heaven and you, dad. And he starts rehearsing his speech. I'll go tell him I recognize my dishonor. I recognize my disrespect. And so because of it, I understand I've lost it all. I've lost my self-worth. I've lost my purpose. I accept what I have done. So if you could just have grace on me and just allow me just to be a slave in your house or a servant in your house, one of your hired people, if you could just do that, I would be satisfied. And as he's walking and he starts running, he starts running home. Run, Forrest, run. And as he's running home, the Bible says that the father, is standing there and he sees him at a far off. He sees him out at a distance. Why did the father see him at a distance? I believe because he'd been standing at the end of the driveway every day at the end of the property. He's my baby boy coming home today. Oh, Father God, bring him back to me. Bring me back that which is lost. And all of a sudden, he sees him come around that big oak tree off in the distance. He said, that's him. That's him. And he takes off running to him. And they're both running like Forrest Gump. And all of a sudden, well, pow, they meet in the middle. And what does the Bible say he does? He embraces him and the son rehearses his speech and says father I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you I have an understanding of my disrespect I have an understanding and revelation of my dishonor and all I ask would you allow me just to work as one of your hired hands and the dad says no sir I will not no sir come here bring the robe bring the ring put him back in the position that he had before now that he now understands what he's done and he understands that he's been dishonorable, I will elevate him back to that place because now he's something of value within his own heart. Do you know why you've done such destruction to your family and such destruction at your job and you've been so dissatisfied and so frustrated and so angry because you had dishonor? But God will fix you just like he fixed this young man. If you'll show up there early and say, you know what? I didn't like this job, but I'll make it the best job here. You come home early and say, baby girl, we're going out to eat tonight. We ain't got no money. It don't matter. We're going out. Let's go, baby. Put your dancing shoes on and we're going to go get, we're going to go spend some time together. Are you serious? It's Wednesday. I know. Let's go. And you start writing him little love letters in his lunchbox, and he's opening it up, you know, and he's like, oh, my God, that girl loves me. And next thing you know, the value. And it's no longer the old shoes thrown to the side. But it's precious. It's valuable. And it's worth having because you made it valuable because you showed honor. When you and I dishonor, we destroy our own purpose, our own self-worth. Come on now. It steals all of who we are, our confidence. I mean, this young man becomes a nobody, and all because of dishonor. I want to see your kids come home and say, my daddy's a man of God. Because see, if you give honor, you'll receive honor. If you exhibit honor, then what will happen is others will honor you. People always say, you know, my problem, they just disrespect me. Yeah, but you're probably sowing that and therefore you're reaping that. 
So over the next three more weeks, our goal is to say, Lord, where have I started? If I've disrespected, being a person of disrespect, how then can I back and get to a place that I'm a person of honor and I'm giving honor? I want you to bow your heads with me all across the room. Today, disrespect. Where have you and I become disrespected? We stop respecting those that we should. You say, well, they don't deserve it because of this, that, and the other. Yeah, that's not, that's not at all the teaching in Scripture. The teaching is to make something valuable in your heart, it becomes valuable. That's why when they came to Jesus, the Jews were so mad that the Romans were taxing them and controlling them. So they tried to trick him and they hand him a... They, they say to him, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus said, give me the coin. He said, whose picture is on that? They said, well, it's Caesar. He said, there you go. Then therefore give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to the Lord so it's the Lord's. In other words, show Caesar honor and show the Lord honor. Respect him and respect the Lord. As you sit here with your head bowed and your eye closed, I want you to ask yourself, where have I begun disrespecting? What have I become, where have I become a person that's devalued what should be valuable? Have you devalued your mom and dad? Are they just dumb to you? Have you treated them like they were a pain in your side? Have you, have you devalued those coworkers because, because they're not a Christian and because they don't have your Christian values? Have you treated disrespectfully your boss because he's an idiot? Have you, have you treated others in your family with the attitude of, you know, you're in my way. I'm trying to get somewhere and you're in my way. And listen, it's time to recapture and redevelop a culture of honor. Our military personnel are coming home from overseas. And they feel so rejected. They don't feel any thank you, respect for what you went and did for us. Maybe because we don't agree with the political decision. And so therefore we dishonor those who went and served. And we got to get delivered from that. Maybe because they don't, the person that we're married to doesn't do everything right the way we thought they were supposed to, that we've now devalued them. If you have disrespect in your heart, dishonor in your heart, this is the moment. Say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. Lord, I don't want to be like this. Friend, if not, you're going to end up like this young man. You're going to end up having your purpose stole from you, having your self-worth stole from you. You're going to end up in a position where where your common sense is stolen from. You're doing dumb stuff. You're going to become pride and prideful and arrogant. And you'll never find satisfaction because you haven't learned to just be grateful and satisfied and honor what God has done in your life to this point. As you take a moment and just spend some time with the Lord asking Him to help you with the dishonor, I want to speak to those of you that are away from the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you know about him, but you don't know him. And my question to you to help you determine, is he your friend? Is he your best friend? If you died today and there was no way to manipulate or lie or pretend and you're standing before him and he looks deep into your eyes, is he going to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant? To which you probably would say, oh, but Lord, I, I, you know, I did this wrong. And I, did, I know, but... You love me to the best of your ability. I'm yours and you are mine. Will that be his statement to you? Or will he look at you and say, why? 
Why didn't you respond? That little preacher guy over at Church on the Hill, he spit, he sputtered, he yelled, he screamed just to get your attention. I was just trying to get your attention, and you pushed me away. Time and time again, you pushed me away. Friend, don't push the Lord away today. If you're away from the Lord, you say, well, I used to serve the Lord, but just stuff has happened, and now I'm separated. I'm divorced, I guess. I don't know. Friend, don't leave this place like that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray for those who say, Pastor, I'm away from the Lord, but I'm ready to come home. Or I've never been a Christian, but I want to dis- I, here now I decide that Jesus is going to be my Lord, and I'm going to serve him. With no one looking around, every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to create a real uh, atmosphere of privacy. And if this is to you, if the Lord's tugging at your heart saying, that's you, come on, respond. Don't push it away. If this is you and it's time for you to be right with the Lord, let me pray for you and acknowledge that by just lifting your hand right where you're at. Say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. If that's you, thank you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sweetie. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, buddy. Anybody else? Make sure. Okay, I see you. Okay, thank you. God bless you, sweetheart. Anybody else? You can put it up, put it back down. Come on, there's already been about seven or eight of you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. It's time to be right with the Lord. I don't want to run away anymore. I don't want to pretend anymore. Okay, God bless you, sister. Anybody else? How about three, four more seconds? Okay, I see it. Thank you, sir, for your honesty. Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. So those that lifted your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. You don't have to give money to the church. You don't have to do 25 Hail Marys. You don't have to do any of that. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he will cleanse you. He will forgive you of all your unrighteousness. He will literally make your heart his dwelling place. His Holy Spirit will come and live inside of you. So with that being said, I want to lead you in a prayer. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray out loud with my friends who lifted their hands. But those that lifted your hands, say it with all, mean this prayer with all that you have. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, come out loud. Jesus, today I surrender my life, my desires, my wants. And I bring honor to you, Jesus. And I declare you're the most valuable relationship I could ever have. And here and now, I declare Jesus is my Lord. I ask you, cleanse me, wash me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. And I promise to serve you forever in Jesus' name. If you'll keep your head bowed and your eye closed for just a moment, I want to pray for each and every one of us as we close. Father, I pray right now for every man and woman in this room as we start into this series about a culture of honor. Lord, I recognize where I have dishonored, where I have devalued, where I have treated as common that which should have been precious. Where I just said, well, it'll still be there tomorrow. It's always there. They always care. You know, I, I, I I, I can just treat them like that or I can just be like that. Father, I just pray right now, Lord God, that a holy conviction would come over us. That, Lord God, that we would be that church that says, no way, no sir. We're going to honor. We're going to respect each other. We're going to treat as precious the presence of the Lord, the times that we gather with the Lord. We're going to treat as precious our moms and dads and relatives. We're going to treat as precious one another. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that, Lord God, we would be delivered from that whole spirit of dishonor. And that, Lord God, that you and I, Lord God, that you and I would draw so close that we would take on your nature of honor and respect. And that, Lord God, that we would look around and say, oh, it's happening all around us. Bless every man and woman in this room. In Jesus' name. Everybody shouted, amen.